Hello, it's August the 6th and welcome back to the Other Way Podcast, the best place to tune in for creators, entrepreneurs and digital nomads. This is Nick. And I'm David. Welcome back. you went to San Francisco and right now you're in Georgia. How's that going for you? Yeah, really good. So I'm actually in the country of Georgia, not the state of Georgia. So I am just, it's this place sort of in the world. It's in the Caucasus Mountains. It's actually near Turkey, near Armenia. And yeah, I've been here for about a week now. I was back home in the States for about a month to you know visit my parents, see my friends, get vaccinated. And now I'm back out in the world and that's where, where I belong. Cool. <laughs> Well, a little bit of updates from me. I've been also um, on an intense job search ever since June, right? So right now I'm right at like 50 applications. I got about seven to 10 interviews, three near offers, crazy time. So I think one thing that I realized is that right now the interview was just different, right? I think I was been, I have been quite grateful so far to be able to get a job ever since I graduated, get a job through rather easier routes in, in a sense that there was always a recruiter helping me. So right now when I'm actually intense going for job interviews I found that it's quite different right now it used to be a place where uh, so just sharing this right the, the application process it used to be a place where you send in your resume and then uh, a recruiter pick, pick it up and then they'll call you right now on top of that you have this AI bots that is kind of screening through your applications so right now the one is to all kind of like CV doesn't work anymore so so I believe when I did 50 applications when I send that normal resume to 50 companies probably only like 10 picked it up because the other 40 was X'd up by the AI because it, it works in a way where if you have certain keywords that a job description has if, if you don't have the keywords from that job description most likely the AI will kind of deem you as irrelevant for example if they're looking for like I don't know like e-commerce management for example if this is the keyword and this keyword is not present in your resume more likely you will be deranked from the oh, AI wow. bot so it's pretty interesting like like how these things work these days. Yeah, so it is almost as like your life is in the hands of an algorithm, right? So it's kind of sad exactly. at the same time, but I you know, you definitely get there, right? So it's like the application funnel, right? So x number of applications turns into x number of callbacks and then x number of interviews, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, but I'm pretty confident that you'll find something. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. So anyway, uh we'll jump just jump into the topic for today, how to avoid burnout before it becomes a thing, right? So this is a topic very close to me. As you know, you know, Anxiety and burnout, these two themes kind of go hand in hand, almost like if you get one, you'll probably get the other, right? So sometimes the case of burnout happen more than you think with the people around you. I believe that about 77% of the employees in America has kind of experienced burnout at one phase in their, in their time in their organization. But thankfully, you know, these days we talk about burnout a bit more casually. It has no longer that negative stigma. If you're a burnout, you're weird you know, or, you, or you have like a, a psychology problem and a psychiatric program where you need to really see a doctor. In serious cases, yes, you need, but I think in the more milder or cases you can kind of like help yourself pull yourself out from me I, I think that's all about the practice yeah i actually think to your point right i think there's you should be so much of a stigma to talk about it and especially like in east asian culture even in america right it's kind of a kind of like oh you're weak or you just like power through it and actually no you know it, it needs to be talked about and it needs to be actually brought up so that it could actually be solved in a way that's sustainable and that you could sort of still like persevere in your current role 
Mm, exactly. And I think in Asia, especially Asians, right, we are all about like, okay, you can do it, you know, like, let's fight fight this through, you know, if you're just falling early in, in the stage of whatever you're trying to do, for example, if right now in the view, if I'm just supposed to fall, it's more likely deemed as, oh, you know, you're weak, you know, you can do further, you can you can go further. Yeah, so that's, that's something that's imbued in, in us since our early days in our childhood. And I think this is also causing, it's catching up with us, right, as, as we grow older, holding on to this belief. Uh, we, we start to you know like be harsher to ourselves whenever we don't achieve a certain thing that we want to and that is how we experience some kind of burnout and then we don't even know that it's burnout right so I think it's catching up with us we are starting to get more I would say aware of uh, what burnout feels like and then we are starting to start to take measures I think if, if you look at LinkedIn these days follow a lot of like uh, interesting career professionals on LinkedIn what what I see is uh, instead of the, of the conversation talking about you know like accomplishments you know like talking about like the next gig or whatever they're starting to shift a little bit more on like uh, how take care of yourself especially in a new world where right now everyone's working remote right where it's getting a bit more grey where what, what your working hours are and where, where your rest hours hours are mm. people are just starting to open up more about like how can you take a step back and just like re-question you know like how hard are you working versus like how much are you actually living your life outside of work yeah and i think sort of a good first step is to identify what even are the signs of burnout right to get started with this conversation right and so i was thinking about this and you know after doing some research it's you know one of the signs is you know feeling unproductive every day, feeling like you're not getting anywhere, you know, also feeling tired, feeling unmotivated, also having a lot of negative emotions, like feeling helplessness, feeling like you're not actually making progress in life. And so, you know, that's kind of what I think about when we talk about oh, how do you even identify the signs of burnout in the first place? Mm. Pertaining to that, I do have like a personal story to share. So for myself, right, I mean, my all, all those all those things that you listed, David, I, were actually things that I have gone through myself. And then, especially for the demotivated part, you know, like the the point when you're you're waking up feeling like you don't want to go through the day. I think this didn't really strike me as a burnout at first. I I just thought that it was just a sign of like, hey, maybe I'm tired. You know, I've been working so hard in the past days. It was only when it really hit me when I really started to deteriorate in terms of like mental strength became a lot weaker was when a point when I realized like, hey, this burnout is, is starting to happen. You know, this is this is what burnout feels like, right? So this this was a story that happened in 2018. That's about two years ago, right? 2018, I had my first burnout. So I just went into a new job, right? So I had my hands full working both my full-time job as well as I also had two side hustles, right? Being the Asian that I was. And then I was going to events a lot. You know, I was like partying a lot. I, I love to travel as well, right? So every... After every month, I would be kind of planning for my next jet setting uh, every month. So I'll travel a lot in the Southeast Asia region. And then I, at work, you know, I was also chasing performance, right? So I just went into this e-commerce industry. I was like, okay, I was just really going 200%, 300%, right? So I was achieving a lot of my targets. And then in the late night after I work, uh, so crazily at my, my day day job, I'll go home and then I'll start to work on my side hustles. This went on for like really several months right and within a year this all feels really good like I'm, I was producing a lot of results I'm kind of living like the life that I really wanted then I started question like how can I be faster you know like how can mm. I do more then I already you had, you had a full plate already for sure exactly I was probably the plate was already like overloading right it was coming on the table already so I started this habitual thing of 
time boxing, you know, every task that I was doing. So literally from the time of like my lunch hour, which I gave myself 30 minutes only. And then from lunch hour, if I were to travel for work to another office, right, I would have that 30 minutes or 45 minutes planned in, in my calendar. So every single task I had, a time box for it so if i didn't meet the timeline you can imagine like the amount of stress would that would be built up uh, with every field task right so this 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 stacked onto my already crazy schedule i think sleep felt like a luxury to me right uh, or rather I, I took it as a liability so that was pretty scary it, it was just so crazy that i think my adrenaline really was switched on 24 7 so this this constant running from task a to task b to task c to task d yeah. it's so crazy i can't even <laughs> yeah. imagine Right? I know. Yeah. So as you all already guessed, right, uh, this burnout really happened, right? In my probably ninth or 10th month, just running like that, I started to get sick a lot. I started realizing that my heart was beating really fast, right? From the moment I wake up, the moment I, I get to work, you know, like my heartbeat was beating at a rate of like 180 BPM per second. It's just mm. so crazy. I thought I was going through like a potential heart attack. So I went oh, to wow. the doctors. I went and then like the doctor was like, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> you're, you're you're doing fine. <laughs> and then I, I started getting like like cold sweats as well, like mini, mini anxiety attacks. So you could see, you know, like the usual calm and conserve me. I, I started getting a bit more, my temper started, started getting to blow up a lot more frequent than usual, right? I, you could see this not just with my immediate friends, for example. Um, I think I, uh, my colleagues could see I started getting a, a bit more temperamental. So that was all like quite visible, you know. So this went on for maybe like one month or so. And then one evening in the middle of the central business district, it really, it just struck, you know. My heart beat so fast that I was so scared. I just like stood down in the middle of the central business district. I just was trying to catch my breath. All right, so I think this time I really stopped in my tracks and I told myself, okay, you need to stop right now. You need to re-examine what's going through and you need to kind of like seek help. Right, so at that point in time, I was actually listening to this podcast. It's by a very good friend of mine called Dan, and he was hosting a podcast with Rebecca. This called the Lito Podcast. They talk a lot about like life as well as they also touch a lot of like topics on burnout and anxiety. So you could uh, you should go check it out if if you listen if you're interested. So I was listening to their podcast right, and knowing what they talk about, it kind of just struck me like, hey, I was going through this anxiety attack, and I kind of know who to look for right. So I look for Dan as he was uh, starting out like a coaching service at the time so I rang him up I was like hey Dan you know like can you help me go through get through something I need to understand a certain condition right now that I suspect is anxiety attack I need your head around it so I, I wanted to know what could I do about this situation right now? So within the next day, we, we went out to a Skype call. So he, for him, it's very interesting. He never meet people face to face. He was very confident of just solving my problem with a Skype call, right? So that, that was really interesting for me. So we went on the call, then asked me like, hey, okay, Nick, tell me uh, everything that's going through your mind right now. You don't have to put it into like a very structured uh, sequence. Like it's okay if you're just, a, you just arrive as a hot mess. I will take you as that hot mess and I will break down for you. So I was really grateful for that. I just went on on different kind of like thoughts and all, went through all my thought patterns and everything. And then he was just kind of capturing everything. We laid everything on the, on the table and then he, he told me like, Nick, what I'm, what I'm listening right now is... I think you are going at a, like 2,000 miles an hour. You are doing a lot of things, which is not wrong. But at the same time, I think you are also living out of 
of your alignment of what you actually want to do in life. So I was like, hey, Dan, what, what, what do you mean like what I actually do want to do? it? This is what I really want to do in life. Like I want to be achieving lots of things, you know, with the least amount of time. Like this is what I want to do. Then he's like, no, if, if you want to take away the equation, right? Take away like money and success from the equation, right? What do you actually really want? Like could you ask yourself that and like tell me what do you desire in life? So I started like paying down different things, you know. So things that actually appeared on that, on that piece of paper was things like I wanted to be free, right? So I wanted to have the freedom to go wherever I want, travel wherever I want, whenever, whatever time I want. I think that was the thing. I wanted to be able to have time to spend with my friends, loved ones. I wanted to probably buy whatever I, I wanted to mm. buy at any mm. point of time. Yeah. So I think all these things was all relating to one central topic and that was freedom, mm. right? I wanted freedom. Then question me again, like, okay, so Nick, right now, if you look at yourself, which part of freedom do you think you're living? And then I think it struck me like, my schedule was literally a prison, right? It, was, it wasn't it was that much of a freedom kind of thing. It was, I was literally trapped in crazy schedule where I could do nothing of, of whatever I listed. And that was pre- precisely the reason why I was living out of alignment because there was really not, nothing about freedom. There was no freedom in my current lifestyle. And that is why I'm burning out because I'm going at 2000 speed, doing a lot of things, but none of these things were relating to my freedom aspect of things. Mm. Do you think a part of it also has to do with, you know, on, on sort of the flip side of freedom is like control, right? Like you you felt like you were trying to get control of your life by like scheduling all these things in sort of an ironic way, it actually got you less control? Mm, in a way, yes. I think it comes in a form of balance, right? I think what, what you say is, is very true. Sometimes you want freedom, but at the same time, you also want control. So if, if the part of freedom overpowers that control, you feel like everything's just going in all mm. directions. And then maybe you feel scared, right? Because th- uh, anything can, can fly in different kind of directions and therefore you want a bit more control, right? So I think what I did was to having too much control to a point that it cannibalizes my freedom, mm. Right. So I think I think living life is, is all about finding that balance, right? If you have a fifty percent freedom, then you have a fifty percent control so that everything comes hand in hand. It's just like the concept of like light and darkness, right? Mm. With every you know, with every aspect of light, there will be an aspect of darkness. With every light casted, there will be a, a shadow, right? So it lives in tandem and this is all nature's way of uh, putting things in place where one one force doesn't outgrow the other. So after that conversation with, with Dan, uh, did that lead to sort of any changes in the way you sort of thought about how to restructure your life? The, the questions really hit me hard thinking through what he said. I think it made a lot of sense. So what, what he told me was to look at where my energy is spent every day. So this whole concept of energy, it's, it's a zero-sum game, right? In a single day, we are actually given like X amount of energy and everything we spend our energy on, it becomes a minus, right? So, but also there, there are things that you do which will reduce your energy, but there are also things that you do that can add on to your energy. So for example, right, reduction of energy could be the work that I don't like to do. For example, if, if you're asking me to do design work, right, it reduces my energy constantly because I don't really enjoy design. I can do design, but I don't enjoy design. So that's a reduction to the energy equation there, mm. right? Whereas a, a energy, a positive 
uh, action will be like maybe chilling out with colleagues, you know, like chit-chatting or gossip or whatever, right? All these things are probably like energy positive actions, right? So if you to plan your day, instead of like task A, task B, task C, task D, what, what I did was to kind of, okay, task A is uh, negative energy. So minus, minus, minus. Therefore, within every minus, you have a plus. So minus, plus, minus, plus in a form so that the entire day for all the negative energy tasks, you have a positive task mm. added onto it. So your energy doesn't reduce to a zero within a day, mm. right? So that helps me to still feel refreshed by the end of the day and I can probably still continue like to my side hustle, for example. But if that side hustle also is negative, it's also a negative energy kind of task, then I probably want to reconfigure certain things. So just the, the mm. whole idea is just to make it positive energy uh, throughout the days and throughout the weeks. Yeah. Not sure if that, that is clear. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I think one thing that's kind of interesting is that when people think about burnout, people think of burnout only in relation to their job, right? I think many people don't realize that actually burnout can come can be caused by many different things as well, right? Personal, right? Relationships with their parents, their significant person, right, in their life, their friends. And that can also be a problem. Also, their um, physical health, right, can cause burnout, right? Like not getting enough sleep, not eating right. And so that can actually lead to burnout as well. Like it's that mental state. In regards to work in particular, I, for me, I mean, I've had tons of stories about burnout as well. I used to work with big tech. And I had this one, I'll tell you this one quick story is that I worked on a team that was global. And so I used to work in San Francisco, but we have an office in Tokyo and in India and in Europe. And so the sun would never set on our team, right? And so what was problematic is that when I wake up in the morning, even though I slept for the night, the other people would be working throughout the hours that I was sleeping. So when I would wake up in the morning and open up my inbox, there would be a hundred emails and then 20 of them would be addressed specifically to me. And so I just had to clear through my inbox so I could even start the day. And can you imagine what it's like to do that compounded by like two to three years? It was, I, I mean, I got burnout as well. And I think, yes, I, I definitely think that there are ways you could, you don't need, you could have a surgical approach to address it. I always sometimes take the more radical approach is like, look, if the job is just not sustainable and you don't like to be there, you could just always quit. You know, you could always quit and just find something else that you're maybe better at, less stress, that you are getting towards a better goal, whatever that is in your long-term career. Um, but of course, I know that's not reasonable for a lot of people, right? Because it's a really big step. It's a radical step. And so I kind of have that in the back of my mind. Sometimes I know that advice is, it's just, it's not, it's not realistic for a lot of people just to be like, you know what, you could just find something else and, and you've worked there, you did your time and you, you are fine. Like you are capable of, of being successful in your next role. But it, the fear is very, very, it's, it's really real, right? And maybe there might not be a good enough job opportunity to, for you to make that leap, right? And so I think part of it is understanding, okay, what can you do within that same role to reduce the burnout? Mm. So what, what, what do you do during that, that time there? How do you reduce your burnout? What were your like, tips and tactics that actually got you out of that? Yeah, you know, I think that <laughs> one of the biggest things is learning how to say no, right? I, I think it's hard. I think we want to, like you said, that spirit of like, perseverance and and you wear your hours worked on your as a badge of honor right and and i think as you get older you're like you feel comfortable saying no you say you know what i've gone to a point in my career where i'm valuable i know my stuff i don't need to like impress everyone you have to learn how to say no is because 
And you could even argue it. It's not because you can't do, it's not because you're a failure. It's because I need to say no so I could do a better job long-term, right? Because burnout, burnout, it's, it's catastrophic sort of for long-term performance, right? So, mm. so I think I have that kind of mind shift as well. And even part of it is just knowing that you're not the only one, meaning that it is normal that everyone has just too much on their plates, especially when you work in a high stress, high performance environment. And that, that leads to then sort of reassessing your goals for whatever that is for that quarter, for that month, right? Whatever you have with your manager, you need to sort of have that conversation in order to reassess it. And oftentimes it's going to be downshifting it. Mm, precisely right. I think it's, it's also something that's very prevalent in today's age, right? We are working in a place where everything's remote. We are literally in our own rooms doing work these days, right? And it's, it's difficult for managers especially to access how much work are you doing. You, only you know the kind of things that you are handling and what's on your plate, right? So I think it's, it's our own responsibility to access how much we can take. And then if it's just too much, like like you say, right, there will be someone who will be able to at least help you. I mean, that's what a team is for. And if you just really can't deliver certain things on time, yep. the world's not going to end just yeah. because this piece of thing is not done, right? There will be a way to at least delay it. Yeah, and sometimes you have to have a frank conversation with your with your teammates, well, more than your manager. Be like, hey, I'm good. There's only so much on my plate, so many hours in the day, and I'm going to be focusing on this, this, and this because I could do a good job in this and this. I could deliver on these three things, but I cannot do this fourth thing. And it's not to say that I'm a failure on all those four things. You're actually doing a good job in the things that you're doing right now. And then, and that's sort of leads me to this other point. It's okay to like, you can't be 100% perfect. It's okay to fail, right? It, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think I think this also is a good segue to kind of like talk about this whole idea of like negotiation and prioritization, right? So if we're working for a company, of course, of course, there will be deadlines. Of course, there will be things that we need to put on the table before a certain time. But these times are all made up by us, right? It's, it's made up by managers, made up by management, sometimes just made up by our own timelines, right? So I think another skill set that I learned that is important is learning how to prioritize prioritize the important tasks versus uh, the, the less important tasks, right? If, if this certain documentation is not out by a certain date, like will it affect the entire project? Can I actually uh, reduce or rather deprioritize this task so that other tasks can come first so that this entire timeline of the project will still continue running without this piece, right? And then it can come down to this piece anytime. It doesn't kill or break the flow. I think that's one thing. Exactly. Mm. Communication is the key, right? communicating with management to tell them, this is what I'm actually doing. This is what I'm doing for the team to sort of grow the business or to do my part, right? But at the same time, telling them what you cannot do because you prioritize that to be not a high, yeah, high priority issue. So I think that's really important because then, so then, you know, you kind of let them know, like, this is what I'm focused on. And this is what I think that will bring success to the team long-term. Exactly. Then comes also the point of negotiation. How do you negotiate your task so that it falls within what premise of what you can do? So simple things that you can initiate is like, hey, just wondering, you know, this task B and C, for example, is, is a bit too much. I, I saw that maybe task A and D, it's more important for this entire project. And, and I believe this is like the critical path to success. So can C and D, can I negotiate to just like have it in by not this week, but 
maybe they end it next week, you know, like things like that. As long as you just talk to your manager, it's easy for them to accept it. As long as you have a, a idea of what is important and what is not. And if they see that it doesn't really affect the entire project, if they are reasonable managers, I'm not saying that all managers are good at this, but if, if they are reasonable enough, they can see your point of where you're coming from. I believe they're more than happy to just like deprioritize it. And then you can just continue doing A and D, for example, yep. in the grand scheme. And it also shows it just shows a certain trait, right? You understand the project from a high level, not, not just in your very silo uh, role. You understand from a high level. And, and I think for that, they will appreciate it as well because you are not just blindsided by your own mini task, right? You can see everything from a high level. And that also helps assure them that you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually think on a more sort of longer term perspective, right, it's taking a step away from sort of the day to day. A lot of people just don't do this enough, and I encourage people to do so, is that you got to think about, is this role right for you? Can you, what do you see yourself in a year, right? Because I think if you're saying to yourself, okay, I don't want to be in this current role, I'm on this thing else, or change teams, or change companies, then it gives you this roadmap that there is this light at the end of the tunnel, right? If you don't have that, you just think you're living in this sort of perpetuity of like burnout, burnout, burnout. And I think that's also detrimental to one's mental well-being. So I think having that long-term perspective is very important because then you notice that the burnout will be temporary. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, how, how do you notice like when you are starting to have a burnout, right? And, and I think knowing, just being aware of the, mm-hmm. the entire process helps you to kind of pull yourself up when the time is critical, right? So I, I kind of have like five main stages that I kind of hashed out based on my experience. I think number one is the honeymoon period, right? This is the time when maybe a boss gives a fresh assignment to you and then you're feeling excited. So things you'll be thinking like, oh, okay, how can I do this job better? What, what else can I do? So very similar to me, right? I was asking like, oh, okay, this is a new job. Like how can I do 200%, you know, to, to, to get as much outcome as possible within a short period of time. And then stage two is the onset of stress, right? This is this is the time when you start to encounter obstacles and problems in your current assignment. So you'll be frustrated. You'll start to ask like, oh, why can't I do this right? You know, like what can I figure this out? Is this that difficult? Like, am I stupid? <laughs> right? So this is the onset of stress. So if you're, you're not mindful, you're going to the third stage. So what is the third stage? Third stage is uh, chronic stress mm-hmm. where you start to continuously lose sleep over work. Uh, this is the point where it's a bit of a dangerous zone already. Yeah? Because things you start to question is like, how do I solve this? And you, you don't just ask this when you're working. You, you start to ask this when you're on the public transport, for example. You start to ask yourself this when you're going to sleep. You know, These are not really high healthy times for you to think about work, but you are thinking about work. And things like, why can't I complete this on time? So you, you start to self-blame. You know, you start to uh, have a bit more, rather say like a bit of toxic thoughts around that around yourself and start to like self-pity yourself like what, what can I what can I do this am I like really that bad so this is this is the point of chronic stress where you start to need to find a way to pull yourself up either by it's kind of like pausing or you know just reconfigure how you're doing things and then you continue this pattern you go into the fourth stage which is the burnout stage right mm-hmm. this is when you are dreading waking up every month this is something that I experienced when I really had a burnout I, I just didn't feel like waking up every day uh, to start the day because I just knew there's hundred and thousand things over to do but I don't really have the mental energy to do it and then you get to the fifth stage which is the habitual burnout right so it's a point when if you don't reconfigure those thoughts early a manager hands you a new assignment for example you start to have that trigger of anxiety or discomfort even when you ha- haven't even attempted that assignment yet 
Yeah, so that's, that's the five stages, right? So essentially where you need to plug yourself out is that chronic stress stage, which is stage three. And then, you know, things to ask yourself is really just like, you know, this might not be the way I should attempting it. Can I just pull myself up? I have to say that the that the sort of losing sleep over work gets major, right? Because that bleeds into your sort of personal life. You can't get enough sleep. You're not eating right. You're not exercising, and that just snowballs into something even that actually compounds the problem. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I need to stress so much on having a day off, right? So there was this recent article by the New York Times talking about like it's okay to have a sad day. You know what? What do I mean by a sad day? It, people are usually used to the whole concept of like taking a day off if you're sick, right? So you have a flu, you have a fever, you take a day off. But a lot of times we are not aware of like, you can actually do the same things when you're having like a, a mental, if you're mentally stressed, right? So you, you just need a day off to feel sad. Just, just lay in bed, maybe cry it out loud, for example. There's all ways to release the tension, right? If you are a rubber band, I, I like the ways you use this energy. If you are a rubber band and you are constantly pulled to a point that you're, you feel really taut, what happens at the limit of that rubber band, right? You snap, right? Mm. And imagine if you snap, do you think you are able to go back to your original ability of like being mm. pulled apart? You can't because you have already broken. And that is the exact concept of our mental energy. Mm. If you're rubber band, if you're put to a point of extreme tautness, then you let go. And that is what the sad days is all about. You know, just, just go ahead and feel sad. You know, go to the park, drink coffee at a nice cafe, you know, just, just not do anything. And then the next day you will realize that, hey, you know, your energy just came back. You are a, like a refreshed person. It's amazing what a simple trick like this can do for you. Yep. It's like that concept, right? It's okay not to be perfect. It's okay not to be at 100%. You need to have the time to rejuvenate, to get back to your previous levels of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, like it's kind of like, in order to be okay, you need to be not okay. And then you need to address how you're being not okay and then you'll be okay the next day. It's a really simple trick like that. And then just keep going. I've been saying that it's so hard. It's, I think it's so hard for some people to sort of realize that. I think in, coming from certain cultures that you you always need to like be on, like never ending work. And I think that's something that's hard for people to realize that you need to kind of switch off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like the Japanese, what they say, gambate, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Especially, in, I think, especially in like, you know, Japanese work culture, South Korean work cultures that they work tirelessly. And, and this is why they have structural problems, right? In terms of like sustainability in their work culture, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think one concept around this is like, there will always be enough work. There will always be something to do. You can have it all, but I think you can't have everything at the same time. I think that's the number one thing. You can't stress to have to to try and do everything at the same time. It's just not going to work, right? Exactly. If you try to pen, if you want to go far, I think you want to run as long as possible. You want to be sustained as long as possible. And that's when you need to keep your energy in check. So energy planning, it becomes a thing when you, you think about your daily life. Energy planning will get you to the results that you want if you can see further then not just like this this month this few weeks for example look at it at a, at a year and see what magic can you can you do with the energy that you have i think that's a great place to end i would like to just um, share one quote right that was relevant for this week's episode for burnout is that it's a quote by najwa jabian it says that these mountains that you are carrying you are only supposed to climb 
So I think often or not, you are experiencing like so immense pressure, you feel that you can't take it, but maybe you're not even supposed to take it in this life, right? You, it might, this pressure was unnecessary in the first place. That's a great quote. And thanks for sharing. Okay, so we hope you enjoyed this this week's podcast as usual. Please hit us a follow on Spotify so you get future updates when we post our next episode. Yeah, meanwhile, if you enjoyed this podcast, please hop on to Apple iTunes to give us a five-star rating and review as this helps us gain more visibility on air, which gives us more opportunity to connect to listeners like you. Okay, I think that's all for this episode. Once again, remember, if you're experiencing a burnout, take a step back, take a set day, and chill, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. See you next week. <laughs>